Welcome, everyone. You are listening to the LifePoint Christian Church Podcast. Let's get started. Well, as a culture, as a society, we like to put a spin on everything that comes our way. Consequently, you might feel like I feel oftentimes, I don't know if I'm ever getting the real story. I don't know if I'm ever getting the full story. Everything comes to me is already edited, it's already filtered, it's already cleaned up, it's been spun a certain way for whoever it is that's sharing the goal and objective they want to accomplish. There is spin with everything. What I would prefer, and I imagine many of us, maybe most of us would prefer, we just want someone to be real. We just want somebody to tell it like it is, just to lay it out there straight. Keep it real. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't clean it up. Don't edit edit it. Give us the no-spin version. Just give me the truth. Just give me the truth. Well, James, who's the half-brother of Jesus, writes a letter that's in our Bibles called the book of James. And he gives us the no-spin version. He lays it out there for you and I. He shows us, hey, here's what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus in a very real and very practical way. For real, no spin, this is what it looks like. And so what does James do? He kicks off, which is amazing that he just dives right in. He doesn't give a lot of pleasantries. He dives in, and from the beginning, he says, listen, I'm gonna talk to you about something, and I'm gonna get real with you. He says, I'm gonna talk to you about problems and trials, and issues, and challenge that we all face. And with no spin, he tells us, here's how you handle those problems. Here's how you respond. Here's how you act. Here's how you react in a good and godly way. So let's pick it up where we were at last week, James chapter 1, verse 2, if you have a physical Bible. If you don't, you can go on the screen, use your phone, and capture the QR code. That'll send you to the YouVersion Bible app where you can track along, our notes are there, the, the, uh, the, the verses we're looking at, it's all there. And James kicks it off and he says, James chapter one, verse two, he says this, he says, consider it pure joy. I want everybody to say joy. joy. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, and here's the key phrase, because you know, everybody say, I know. I know, he said, because you know, because I know the testing of my faith, it produces perseverance. In other words, God is telling us, James is telling us, listen, no spin here. God wants you and I to see the benefit. He wants us to find value even in the midst of our problems, that he wants us to shift our perspective about our problems. And last week, part of that shift for us that James shared with us is that our problems, they're inevitable. They're going to happen no matter what. We're going to have problems. And they're going to come our way and they're going to be unpredictable. And they're always inconvenient. You see, James wanting you and I to understand something. That these problems, he wants us to see the benefit. He wants us to understand that our problems, they come with a purpose that they actually have value to us. Now, what is that purpose? How how does that look? And how does it bring value to to us? When you're going through something very difficult, what's the value in that? Well, he lets us know that God uses it, whatever you and I are going through, to purify our faith. 
And not only will he purify our faith, he's going to use what we're going through to help us develop perseverance or endurance, he said, which is going to help us when, the more, when more problems come our way, because again, problems are inevitable. And I mean, God says he's going to use that to help us to endure, to endure whatever comes our way. Everybody I know who is strong in the Lord, I'm talking the type of person or people you look at and go, man, they have an awesome faith. That's an incredible faith. I, I want my faith to be like theirs. Every one of them, them I know that I look up to, I say, that they have an incredible faith. When you hear their story, when you hear their journey, all of them have gone through immense pain and suffering. They've gone through massive problems. And as you listen to their story, you discover as they leaned into God, God leaned into them. As they leaned in and trusted God, they found themselves being able to endure, to persevere. That their trials, their problems made them better. And it grew their faith exponentially. God uses our problems to, tr to test us, to purify us, to grow us in our faith, to make us better. I think about when God tested Abraham by asking him to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. Some of you might know the story. I'm not going to go into the details of it. But Abraham came through that trial trusting God. As a result, his faith was strengthened. He passed the test. I think about in the New Testament, Jesus, uh, we have the story where a, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus and asks about eternal life. And, and Jesus tells him, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to be generous with your wealth. I want you to give it away. And then I want you to come and I want you to follow me. It was a test. The rich young ruler chose to ignore what Jesus said and to not give his generosity, be generous and not to follow Jesus. He didn't pass the purify his, his faith test. What about you? Are you going to be more like Abraham who passes the test? Or are you going to be more like the rich young ruler? Are you going to pass the test when the problems and trials and difficulties you're going through come your way? Will you pass the test? Now, for some of you, it's when you get sick. And you're in the midst of this moment and you're wondering, can I get through this? For some of you, the challenge or the test that's coming your way may be that you lose someone you love. It may be that you lose a job or perhaps a friendship is destroyed or perhaps a marriage is suffering or perhaps a person or a group of people attack your character or your child turns into a prodigal child. Whatever the problem may be, when you're in the midst of that, God is using that to help you endure, to help you persevere. God is using that to give you an opportunity to demonstrate that your faith is real and that is genuine, that your trust in God is whole and complete. Because our problems not only help us endure and persevere, they help to mature us. Collecting all of that, James said in James chapter 1, verse 3, he said, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So James tells you and I, here's the no-spin truth about your problems. 
James says, cutting it real, cutting to the chase, being honest. He tells you, see our problems, see the benefit in our problems, see the, tri- see the benefits in our trials, because they're going to help purify you. They're going to help develop a perseverance and an endurance in you. They're going to help you become mature and complete in Christ. And so once you have that, that's where God starts with us. That's where James starts. He says, now that you have this no-spin truth on your problems, James goes on and says, okay, now that we understand problems, they're going to exist, they're inevitable, they're going to be inconvenient. And as they're inconvenient and as they're inevitable, you're going to have them. As you go through that, God's using it to purify you, to help you endure, to develop perseverance, and so you can become mature and complete in Christ. Once you know that, James goes on and says, so here's how we do it. Here's how we face our problems. Here's how we conquer, overcome, and be victorious. So let's relook at uh, these verses with, and look at some other key words. How do you become victorious? How do you conquer and overcome your problems? James starts off and says, I want you to choose to rejoice. Choose to rejoice. Everybody say rejoice. rejoice. Choose to rejoice. Verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So he tells us, consider it joy when we face problems and trials. Different translations say it differently. Let me read a couple of them to you. Oh, another one says, consider it the trials, the problems, consider them an opportunity for great, great joy. Here's another translation. Consider your problems a gift. To which some of us are saying, I think I'm going to chuck that translation. I don't really, I don't want, I don't like that one. Another translation says, count it all joy. Another one says, be full of joy when you experience problems, to which again we say, I'll throw that one away. I don't really like that. But what is he talking about here? What does it mean to actually be full of joy? What does it mean for you and I to actually consider our problems a gift? That sounds so strange, but again, James is keeping it real. What does it mean to consider our problems a gift? Well, for starters, here's what it means. It means that you and I don't rejoice for the problems. We rejoice in the problems. Now, what am I talking about? One of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. And it tells us this. It says, in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you in Christ Jesus. Now, you might be hearing me right now, and what your language is probably saying, hold on, pastor, you're telling me I have to rejoice for cancer? You're telling me I have to be thankful for the accident? You're telling me that I have to be thankful for this war? You're telling me I have to be thankful that I lost my my spouse or I lost my parents? No, that's not what he's saying. We don't thank God because that's where our brain goes. That's how we hear what I just said. We don't thank God for the situation. That's how we talk. That's how we communicate. What do we do? We thank God in the situation. Everybody say in. Why would you thank God for something that sometimes could even be pure evil? I don't thank God for the situation, but I thank God in the situation. He said, Paul said, the Apostle Paul said, in everything, give thanks. Not for everything, in everything, give thanks. Well, what does that mean? Another translation says it this way. Whatever happens, keep thanking God because of Christ Jesus. This is what God wants you to do. You see, what sets apart 
the person who is growing and maturing in their faith versus those who aren't. What sets those apart who are developing their faith, who are growing in God, who are maturing in the Lord versus those who aren't growing and maturing, what sets them apart is attitude. That's what James is talking about here. What did James say? Consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. So if you're somebody who's wanting to grow and mature in the Lord and you're going to consider it pure joy, what does that mean? Okay, I hear you, but what does it mean to consider it pure joy when I'm going through these problems and challenges I have? The word consider has a few different definitions in Scripture. Let me, let me try to round out the picture of how do I consider it pure joy? Well, the word consider means to deliberately look at. It means to evaluate and make up your mind once and for all. In other words, you recognize, I can't control the circumstances that happen in my life. My problems are inevitable. They're coming and they're inconvenient. I can't control that. But I can choose to control how I respond to them. I can control my attitude. Viktor Frankl was a Jewish psychologist. He ended up in a Nazi concentration camp uh, during World War II. He went on uh, uh, and wrote the book, the famous book that maybe many of you have read, Man's Search for Meaning. And here's one of the things Viktor Frankl said of his experience there in the concentration camp when he first got there. He said, they stripped me naked. They took everything, my clothes, my shoes, my hat, my wedding ring, my watch. I stood there naked, and all of a sudden I realized at that moment that although they could take everything from me, my wife, my family, and my possessions, they could not take away my freedom to choose how I was going to respond. The victim mentality, the entitlement mentality that our current culture is trying to foist upon you and I, that's not just, that's not scriptural. That doesn't come from Scripture. Scripture teaches you and I that we can choose. We have a choice of how to respond and how to act and how to react. We can choose to rejoice. Consider it pure joy. Choose, make a decision, make up your mind once and for all to rejoice. What does consider mean? It also means to lead the way and to command with all authority. I want you to think about what James is saying. He's looking at you and I. He says, I want you to rejoice. Again, he's getting real. He's getting practical. Command with all authority. What's he saying? He's saying, you need to talk to yourself, and you need to command with all authority. You need to lead the way with yourself. In other words, giving it a, he's like, I want you to tell your face. Face, I command you to smile. Okay? He's saying, Face, I command you not to be grumpy, not to be depressed and worn out and bummed. Now, I'm not talking depression on a clinical sense. I'm just saying in the sense of we're allowing life to tear us down. He's saying, I want you to tell, tell your mind and your heart. Mind, heart, I am choosing to lead the way. To, and I'm commanding you, mind and heart, to choose joy. I am commanding you, mind and heart, to rejoice. Here's my question. Would you be willing? Would you be willing to actually, before your Lord and Savior, you can do it right now, even as I'm talking, would you be willing to make a, a, a declaration, an official decree, even right in this moment, and say, Jesus, I will not settle. Jesus, no matter what comes my way, I am declaring, I'm going to lead the way with my life. I will rejoice. 
I will lead with joy. You can make that declaration now. I would encourage you to do so. You can't control the circumstances that happen to you. But you can, I can control how we respond to them. We can choose how we act and how we react. You, I, we, we can lead the way with joy. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, similar words of James. He told us, hey, rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. And when Paul says to rejoice, he, that's a command. He's telling you and I, I command you to rejoice. Psalm chapter 34, verse 1, the psalmist says, I will always thank the Lord. I will never stop praising him. I will always, say the word always. I will always praise the Lord. I will never stop. Say never stop. Man, I will never stop praising him. That means even when you don't feel like it. That means even when things aren't going right in your life. That means even in the midst of your problems, which are real and suffocating. That means in the midst of your trials. That means in the midst of the pain you're experiencing, I will still praise the Lord. I command my mind, my heart, my body, I will rejoice. For some people... Their problems destroy them. They wreck them. But you have a choice. You can be bitter as a result of your problems or you can be better as a result of your problems. You have a choice. In fact, when you look up there on the screen, um, uh, we'll get there in a second, there you go. Your problems are gonna make you bitter or better. Notice those two words, bitter and better. What's the difference between the word bitter and the word better? It's the only difference. The only difference is I. I make the difference. It's my attitude. I choose to lead, to command with all authority. So I ask you, what are you going through right now? And I know, and I get it, it's hard, and it's difficult, and it's painful, and maybe you can't see a way out right now, but will you command yourself to rejoice? Will you allow God to use your problems to mature you, to develop you, to make you better? Now, I get it. I say this. I'm the guy preaching the message. And you're thinking, Pastor, it's a lot easier said than done. Totally get it. Totally understand. It's true in my own life as well. So what do we do? When we're in the midst of our pain, when we're in the midst of our, our, our struggles, and they're weighing us down. And the pain is so much we don't think we can endure. And we're choosing to rejoice, to command, to lead the way. But man, we don't understand. We're really stepping into God and trusting God, and we're doing that. But what we're going through doesn't make sense. God, why do I have to go through this right now? God, I, I don't see how everything I'm experiencing, I don't see how it fits together. God, I can't see it. What do you do when you can't make sense of it all? James says that's when you go and you ask God for wisdom. James chapter 1, verse 5, it says, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. See, there are times in our life, in our problems, and in the midst of our trials and our pain, 
we just don't know what to do. We don't see a straight path forward. And God says, in those times, I want you to turn to me. Ask me, God says, and I'll tell you. If you want direction, God says to us, I'll give it to you. If you want wisdom right now, God says, I will give it to you. Ask for wisdom. Now, how many of you are familiar with that book called Where's Waldo? Raise your hand if you've ever heard of it. Okay, you're all familiar with Where's Waldo, the red and white striped shirt guy. Over 72 million copies of Where's Waldo have been sold in 50 countries and in 30 languages. And the dude who, I'm like, I wish I was the dude who invented a book. We just do a bunch of drawings and find Waldo. Now, so here's what we're going to do together. We're going to try to find Waldo together. Okay, I'm going to put this up on the screen. And when I do, we're not moving on until we find Waldo. Okay, so where's Waldo? Does anybody see where's Waldo? We're like, I don't see him. I don't see him. Well, let's see where where's Waldo is. There he is. There's Waldo. You're like, I don't, I don't see it. Well, that's where he is. Trust me on that. So uh, we can't move on yet. Let me give you an easier one. How about this one? Oh, is that's not easier? Well, is Waldo on this one? There he is. Some of you found it. Okay, seriously, I'm not moving on. I'll make it easier for you. Can you find Waldo now? Raise your hand if you can find him. Okay, some of your hands went up. Some of your hands, you're like, I still can't see him. I'll show you one more. Do you see him now? Raise your hand if you see Waldo. All right, now everybody's like, all right, I finally see the dude. Do you ever feel like you're going through a trial a difficulty or a challenge, and you're in pain, and you're wondering, where's God? Like, where's Waldo? I can't find him. I can't see him. God, where are you? God, I don't see the wisdom that you said you will give to me. God, I need your help, and I don't know how to get through this. I don't know how to handle it. Do you ever feel like you're playing where's Waldo with God? The creator of Where's Waldo, Martin Hanford, he said that Waldo is found on every single page of his books. I want you to think about that for a minute. God lets us know, just if you're using the book example, you can find God on every single page in the Bible. And when you're in the Word, you will see God. But not only that, you will find God on every single page of your life. And some of us don't see it. We don't feel him. We don't sense his presence. But you need to know, like Martin said of Where's Waldo, he's on every page. You don't see it, but he's, God's there. You don't feel him, God is there. He's on every page of your life. Which is why when you are in those moments when you're in that space and you don't get it and you don't understand and you're wondering, God, where are you? God, I'm wondering if you're even going to help me. James says to ask God for wisdom. And he tells us another translation, if you, any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, notice this, who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. God says, you want it? You want wisdom? You want help? I'm going to give it to you, but you have to ask. In fact, that's actually a command in the original Greek language. He says, if you lack wisdom, James says, I command you to ask God for wisdom. 
you got to ask. And when you do, James said, God will give. Notice what he said. God will give generously. Now, think about that. God loves to pour out his wisdom. He's not going to withhold it from you. He's not trying to where's Waldo you. He's not trying to hide from you. James says, God gives generously. And God does so, James said, without finding fault. What does that mean? It means he's not going to taunt you and tear you down and rebuke you and defame you. I'm curious, have you ever had someone in your life who currently does or has in the past seem like they always give you a hard time? Anybody? Some of you can relate. Maybe you're the person giving the hard time to somebody else. And you have that. That person who's always just making life hard for you. They're finding fault in you. They're taunting you. How could you be so lame? How could you be so stupid? How, how could you not figure that out? That's the easiest thing in the world. Really? You're that? You can't figure that out? How could you allow that to happen to you? Do you not realize if you would adjust, then that wouldn't have happened? Or as Ray Barone said in the sitcom to his brother, uh, uh, to his brother Robert, man, you're just an idiot wrapped in a moron. I need you to know, that's not God. That's not what God does to you and I. God won't do that to us. God isn't looking to find fault in us and tear us down. He wants to pour out his wisdom. He wants to, ready for this? He wants to actually help you with your problems, to help you know how to handle them, to help you know how to act and react, to move forward, to be able to succeed and get through it. He wants you to succeed, and sometimes we don't view God that way. But he wants you to be successful. He's not playing where's Waldo with himself or his wisdom that he has for you. He's not hiding from us. He wants to pour himself out and his wisdom out on you. Now the question is, okay, great. God, pour out your wisdom. So what is wisdom? Why is wisdom so important for you and I when we're going through our challenges, problems, trials, and difficulties? Why does wisdom matter? What is it? Well, wisdom, super simple definition, wisdom is seeing from God's perspective. That's simply all that it is. It's seeing from God's point of view. Those of you who have had teenagers or maybe have teenagers now, and maybe you had one of them. I know we got a bunch of teenagers here, and so maybe some of you have experienced this. Um, or maybe you, anybody in here has experienced this. And you had your first boyfriend or girlfriend, and you broke up or they broke up, whatever the case may be, you had your first breakup with your first boyfriend and girlfriend. And for some, that pain is beyond belief. It's excruciating, and for some... Your child, your teenager might have thought their life was over. They're constantly dwelling, why, God, why, why, why? And they felt like their world came crashing in. And what, is you, what do you do as a good, loving parent? You look at them and you tell them, get over it. <laughs> it's not what you do if you're a good, loving parent. What do you do? You console them. You draw alongside of them knowing that there's another perspective than the perspective they have. While they might feel like their world had imploded, like maybe their world was over, you as the parent know better. What do you know? You know they will survive it. You know they will get through it. How do you know? Wisdom. 
experience. You, had a per, you have a perspective that they, at their age, don't have. Listen, when you are knee-deep in your problems, your wisdom is low. My world has come crashing in. My world is falling apart. Your wisdom, when your emotions are high, your wisdom is low. But God has a whole different perspective than you and I have. He sees when our wisdom, our emotions are high and our wisdom is low, he sees what we don't see. So, James says, pray for God's wisdom. Why? So you can better see from God's point of view. Pray that you could see what you're going through from God's perspective. Pray that you, God, what you see from God's point of view so you can better understand, so you can better know how to get through it. There's no situation in your life that you can't learn from if you have the right attitude. And so I would encourage you, in the midst of the challenges and the problems that you might even be facing right now, the question that you and I usually ask is why? God, why is this happening to me? God, why won't you help me? Why, God, do I have to go through this? Why are they doing this? Why, why, why? But what if we stopped asking why? and we started asking what? What if you stopped asking why? Because the reality is we already know the why. The why is God is using our problems, our challenges, and our issues. He's using them what? To purify us. He's using them to help us develop endurance and perseverance so that we can get through it even the next time. He's using that so that we can become mature and complete in Christ. There's the why. That's the biblical no-spin version. If you want to come up afterwards and say, hey, I I can't take that. I need like the fluff version. I need the spin version. I'll work on one. Come up to me afterwards. But that's what God says. That's what scripture says. God is using it to purify your faith, to help you endure and persevere and to grow you and mature you. We already know the why. And it doesn't change, by the way, with your circumstance. That is all still true. So what if we started asking what? what? God, what do you want to teach me in the midst of this problem? God, what do you want me to learn? God, what characteristic or characteristics do you want me to develop in the midst of my problems? God, what people do you want to bless through me because of the way I'm acting and responding to my problems? What impact, God, do you want to make through me and through my problems? What and not why? Now, James says God's not going to find fault with you and tear you down when you come to him and you ask for wisdom, but he does say there's one condition. And I want us to notice the condition, James chapter 1, verse 6. He says, but when you ask, be sure that your faith is in God alone. What does that mean? He says, so don't waver. In other words, don't doubt. For a person with divided loyalty, that's what he calls the person who doubts, who wavers, whose faith is in in God alone. He says, for a person with divided loyalty is as unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people, they should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. You're not going to get the wisdom from God. Why? He says, because their loyalty is divided between God in the world, and they're unstable in everything they do. It always comes back to faith, always, and trust. 
And God says, I have so much for you. I'm so excited. God says to pour out my wisdom and help you in and through it. But this is a faith issue. And if you're going to have a divided loyalty between me and trusting in me and leaning on our own understanding or the world's understanding, God says, I'm not going to give it to you. I'm not going to give you my wisdom. I think what we oftentimes do with God when we're going through something, we kind of reach out a little bit and kind of do the, hey, Hail Mary, help me God prayer. But the reality is we're still kind of running the show. The reality is we're still trying to trust in ourselves and the world's ways of getting things accomplished. And God, James says, here's the no spin version. God has so much. He's going to pour it out on you, the wisdom. And you will be victorious and get through whatever you're going through. You will be able to see from God's perspective if you trust him fully. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he's going to make your path straight. Trust in him with all your heart. Undivided loyalty. And so I want to ask you, would you be willing to trust God fully? Today, would you declare to him, God, I am going to trust you fully. I'm not going to lean on my own understanding. I don't want to miss out, God, on what you have for me. So, what are you going through? What is the problem, the challenge, the difficulty, the trial that seems overwhelming? Maybe for some of you that's been going on and lingering maybe for weeks, months, or perhaps even years. God wants you to rejoice. Not for the problem, but he wants you to rejoice in the problem because he's using it to grow and mature you. And if you will fully trust him in it, he will pour out his perspective on what you're going through. He will pour, pour out his point of view of what you're dealing with. And he will give you his wisdom to help you get through your problems. Are you really, truly, genuinely ready to let him in, to pour out your heart to him? Let's pray about that now. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that you just, you just love to come alongside of us and you love to fill our lives with blessings, fill our lives with wisdom, but you've called us to actually reach out to you and ask to be all in with you, to not lean on our own will or our own way. And so God, would you hear our prayers as we call out to you? And I wanna invite every single person right now in this room some of you for the first time, for some of you, the thousandth time where you reach out to Jesus and you say, Jesus, my life is yours and I trust you fully. So maybe pray something like this. Say, Jesus, I thank you that you have given us a message, me a message today in the midst of my emotions running high and my wisdom being low. Thank you, God, for speaking to me. And God, as I go through my problems and my challenges and my issues, I am choosing right now to rejoice, to give thanks. God, I am choosing that, recognizing, knowing you're using what I'm going through 
purify my faith, to help me endure. You're using it, God, to mature my faith. And so, Jesus, I just say to you right now, my heart is fully yours. I trust in you fully. I ask that you pour out your perspective and your wisdom in my life so, God, I can better know how to handle the problems that I'm going through. I need you, Jesus. My heart is full of yours. And I declare this and I praise this in Jesus' name. God, you've heard our prayers. And I know you roam this world, this earth, looking for those whose hearts are fully devoted to you. And my hope, my prayer is that a room full of people just declared that to you. But this is a room and a group of people, God, who know you're going to work and you're going to act and you cannot be stopped. So we lift up our hearts and our voices in song to you now as a prayer of declaration, recognizing, God, you will move and you will act and you cannot be stopped no matter what we're going through. So hear our heart, God, through this song. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And as you do, uh, we're going to sing this song. And I hope it's not just a song you sing in this room, but I hope it stays with you all week long that you declare it, that you say, God, you can't be stopped. It doesn't matter what I'm going through, what darkness is in my life. It doesn't matter, God. I am going to recognize and trust in you. You won't be stopped. So I encourage you, worship God as a declaration of faith now and then do it through the, throughout the week. God, you cannot be stopped. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You can learn more about us by visiting us online at lifepoint.org. If you are ever in the Sacramento area, we would love to see you in person. Events and service times can be found on our website. Thank you for listening, and we hope you join us for our next episode.